You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Generations Pastor Glenn Wolf will continue with our series called Living the 4-H Life. We all want God to take care of the injustice around us. But what about the injustice in us? Today, we'll explore that God is calling every part of us to Him. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Our scripture text comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13. Today's message is entitled, Let's Get Holy. If you could, if you could open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. And now we're, we are continuing Pastor Eugene's series uh, in, entitled 4-H, which is a part of our vision, which is to be healthy, to be happy, to be holy, and to be humble. Can everybody just repeat that for me? Say healthy, healthy. happy, happy. Holy. holy, humble. All right, one more time. Healthy, healthy. Happy. happy, holy, holy. humble. And, uh, and the theme of holiness, I've entitled this message, Let's Get Holy. Can you just turn to your name and say, just nudge him and be like, let's get holy, all right? Let's do this. First Peter chapter 1, if you're there, can we go and just stand for the reading of God's word? I'd love to do it. I saw T.D. Jakes do it one time, and I just felt like I needed to do it. So we're going to do that this morning. Are you there yet? If you're not there, I have this big giant Bible that changes colors and stuff up there, and you can read from that. Uh, real quick, as you have that open, I want to give you a little bit of background on this passage of 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, Peter is the author, hence Peter. And uh, he's actually writing to a church that's really distressed, and they're beat up. And uh, they're, they're feeling very discouraged. And Peter brings them a strong word of encouragement. And when I mean strong, I don't mean like, hey guys, just think higher. You're going to get through this. Everything's going to be all right. When in reality, there were some things that were really wrong. What I I mean by strong word of encouragement is that he was basically saying this, hey, you're going to get through this, but here's some practical things that you need to to deal with in order to get through this. In other words, I need need to bring a little bit of confrontation to you because you need to get this in your spirit so that you can actually fully receive joy, right? And so that's kind of where he's coming from. This is written about 62 years after the death and resurrection of our Lord. And so we're picking up right here in verse uh, 13. And uh, the Bible says this, it says, Therefore... Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Father, we thank you, God, today, Lord, for the word. God, we thank you that, Lord, you're going to speak to us in a real way. God, I pray your blessing upon every person that is listening to this, whether it's podcasts, whether it's Ustream, whether they're sitting in this audience. Father, we pray right now that you would make this message um, come off this page and be unique to each one of us. Speak to us right where we are. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. One of my favorite movies is is a movie entitled The Dark Knight. Anybody with me? Anybody like The Dark Knight? It is, if you don't know what it is, it is the latest Batman movie. And uh, I remember watching this for the first time in IMAX. In fact, actually, Ty Moon is in the, is in the room. And uh, Ty, I remember actually watching it on your TV, and it was nice. It was like mo- so clear. I felt like, the, like it was incredible. But I remember the first time I saw it, I was watching it at IMAX. I don't know if anybody's ever seen a movie in IMAX. Has anybody ever seen a movie in IMAX? It is an incredible experience. It is extremely expensive and probably a waste of money. But I would suggest just do it once so that you know what, you're, that you know what it's talking about. 
And uh, the IMAX experience is phenomenal. The screen is about 70 feet tall or something like that. It's just incredible. And uh, I remember going there, and what's significant about this Batman movie is that it was actually written, it was actually the very first movie that was filmed with an IMAX lens. In other words, it was the very first movie that was completely designed with the IMAX experience in mind. And so, we, I mean, when we saw this movie, it was absolutely phenomenal. And I remember watching this movie for the first time, and I finally got to the end of it, and I'm walking out depressed because I was, I was heavily dismayed when I found out at the end of this movie that Batman never kills the Joker. Like, he just never does it. For whatever reason, it's like against his superhero code of ethics. And, I don't, if, and if you know anything about it, not only Batman, but Superman, Spider-Man, they're not allowed to kill anybody. They always have to catch them and then bring them over to society. And it's never really bothered me. I've seen Batman movies in the past. I've seen Superman movies. I've seen Spider-Man movies. I've seen all types of superhero movies. And I've noticed how they never kill anybody. And it's never bothered me like it did in this movie. Maybe it was because Heath Ledger's Joker was so creepy. Man, he just did such a good job of just being creepy. And uh, you know what I found out when I studied this just a little bit? According to World Magazine, when they created the character of Joker, they actually did not use any characterization of human wickedness. They actually used the exact character of Satan himself. That's how they came up with Joker. I didn't even know that. So now it even makes even more sense why I wanted Joker to die. Because we know that Joker is never going to become good. We know that he's not going to like have a picket fence one day. Like he's always going to be Joker. He's always going to be evil. You just got to kill him. You know, so I, and I don't know what the deal is with all of our superheroes of, of, of today. But can I tell you that the superheroes of the Bible, it was not the same way. They killed. Am I right? If you read your Bible, there's some sick, nasty things in there. And uh, man, our superheroes definitely killed. And I was just even thinking about young David. He was pretty young too. We don't like, you know, I'm a youth pastor and I don't like to talk about that too much, but he was probably in his teenage years when he saw the uh, Philistine giant and he heard about him mocking his God. And what does he do? He grabs five millstones. He walks out there and kills the guy. Not only does he, does he kill the guy, but then he lops his head off as a sign of victory. This is, and then I don't know if you know, but this is the same guy that, that this is a man after God's own heart, Right? Okay, that's the same David. There's no difference in David, okay? If we move even further back in the timeline, we would get to Joshua. Joshua led a pagan butt-kicking all throughout, all throughout his land. I mean, this guy straight up killed people. He didn't catch people. When he would, you know, when the Bible talks about Joshua conquering a land, it's not like he like gave them an iota and he's, or whatever. He's like, hey, if you would like to come here. No, no, he just straight up just walked in and burned the place down. I mean, this is what Joshua did. If we move even further back in the timeline towards Genesis, we would get to Moses. And of course, we know that Moses is an Israelite, but he was born into an Egyptian culture. And so what does he do? He's sitting out in his back porch one day, and, and, there's a, and there, all of a sudden there's an Egyptian that's, that's uh, beating one of the Israelite slaves, and he gets frustrated. He doesn't walk over to them and go, hey, excuse me, sir, can you, could we please talk this over? Why are you... Why are you beating? No, no. He walked over and just killed the guy. You know, and if you know the story, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the guy that was being beat and was working, he looks up and goes, what are you doing right now? You know, why did you kill him? He's like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, God speaks to him. 
God speaks to him, and then he says, hey, I need you to get my people out of this. And so he gets his people out of the Egyptian culture. You know the whole story. And then uh, he walks up to the sea. It was the Red Sea. And he parts the Red Sea because God told him to. He walks across this huge sea, probably five or six miles wide, right, long. And on dry land, they get to the other side, and it's like an epic movie. All of a sudden, the Egyptians are coming closer. The army's sinking in. And all of a sudden, they're, they, now the Egyptian army is in the middle of this sea that's on dry land, and God just closes the sea. Well, what do you think happened? They all died. Good morning. Welcome to City Church. You know, thank God that we have a God that doesn't catch our enemies. He destroys them. Thank God that when we lift up our hands to heaven. You know, the Bible says in Psalm, it says that when you, when you lift up your hands to heaven, that literally he begins to kill your avenger. Thank God that we, that we serve a God that destroys the injustice around us. But here's the big dilemma, is that we want a God that kills the injustice around us, but we don't want a God that kills the injustice in us. This is holiness. It's, it, it's not enough to come into his house and say, God, I need you to deal with this. God, I need you to deal with this injustice. Lord, I'm not making enough money. Lord, things aren't going right. Lord, uh, my family isn't where they're supposed to be. And then to not allow that same God to come into our lives and say, God, all the wickedness in me, get it out. I I have this book, it's called Secondhand Jesus, and it's by a great author with an incredible holy name called Glenn. His his name's Glenn Packham. And he, and he, he writes about this just a little bit, and I wanted to read this to you. He said, but here's where we find the real rub. Believing in a God of justice and vengeance means believing in a God who cannot simply dismiss my assault on on his honor and character. A God who must defend it and make someone pay. God's justice is not simply philosophical, it's personal. Every time I sin, I'm spitting in God's face, insulting him by my insistence on living apart from him. I am saying he is not enough, not good enough, not powerful enough, not worthy enough, to have my devotion, to have my dependence, to have my obedience. When I sin, I am in essence saying that God is not God, and if God is to be God, he cannot tolerate such mutiny and insult. It is is an affront to his character, and I am the offender. Wow. I thought that was pretty interesting. And if we want a God that destroys the injustice around us, we must embrace him when he destroys the injustice in us. What am I saying? I'm saying this morning, you can't serve a partial God. We can't serve part of God. We can't take part of the cross. We can't take part of the word and say, well, I like this. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. That doesn't work. In fact, that whole methodology, that whole strategy, that that whole thinking, that mindset leads to hypocrisy. It leads to mediocrity. And it ultimately leads to death. In fact, the Bible's very clear in Revelation. It says that if we are lukewarm, in other words, if we want to be half in and half out, that God is going to spew us out of his mouth. He's pretty serious about it. We cannot serve a partial God. We must serve him in his totality. So then we get to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, and it says this. It says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is Revealed. If you have your Bible in front of you, I want you to underline the word revealed. When Jesus Christ is revealed, 
We have to understand something this morning. Jesus has revealed himself in three areas, three specific areas that we must fully embrace in order to fully have holiness. The first area is prophet. The second area is priest. And the third area is king. But we're going to focus on prophet first. Jesus has revealed himself to you as prophet. If you know anything about the Old Testament prophets, they would come and they would speak on behalf of God. You know what's very interesting is that if you get to Matthew chapter 5, God does something, Jesus says something very specific. He doesn't say this. He doesn't go, I come to you in the authority of God. He says, I am who I am. In other words, Jesus is the ultimate prophet. In other words, he's not only the ultimate prophet then, he's still our active prophet today. And what prophets would do in the Old Testament is that they would speak words that no one else wants to speak. They would come into nations, they might literally die because of it, but they would confront sin, they would demand repentance, and that's what prophets did. And either people really loved it because it would lead them to to ultimate joy with being right with God, or people would completely hate them because it would make their their hearts hard. And uh, Jesus was our ultimate prophet. In fact, in Luke chapter 19, we see this pretty clearly. If you, if you know the story, uh, Jesus is coming back into the, into the town and he walks into the temple and they're selling things. PS3s, Xboxes, the whole deal. They're selling everything they can. And, uh, and Jesus walks in and he doesn't sit there and go, um, can we have a board meeting? That's not the God, that we, that's not the God at this point that, we're, that we serve. He walks in, he starts flipping tables, you know? He's just like... Boom! You know, I don't know how, maybe he got extra strength. We don't know. You know, I know I'm talking about superheroes. Who knows? Maybe Jesus was like super strong at that moment. And he th- he's throwing tables. And then he walks right up to the, like, the head honchos. And he looks at him and he goes, <laughs> you know. He probably did it more manly and stuff than I just did it. But he literally, he just goes, you are thieves! You know what's very interesting about this, this passage is because he, he went into the God's temple and he told them that they were thieves and they were, they were not living right. You know who we are? We're the temple. And Jesus is our prophet. And he speaks to us every day as our active prophet, and he says, this is wrong in your life. This you need to change. And we have to embrace that side of Jesus in order to fully embrace who God has revealed himself to be. There is a story about, um, uh, that, I, that I had, or not even a story, a conversation I had with a young man, and uh, he was just learning about, he, was just, he just became a Christian, he was just a new believer, and so I, he started reading his Bible. It was great. And I, so I came to him. I said, hey, brother, how you doing? How, how is the Bible reading going? And he just looked depressed, you know. <laughs> and it's just funny to me. And so I was like, well, what's going on? He's like, man, he's like, Pastor Glenn, I'll be honest with you. He's like, the more I read the Bible, the more depressed I get. And he's like, and then the more I read the Bible, the more depressed I get. <laughs> and, I, and he goes, man, he's, and I said, well, what's the deal? He said, well, every time I read it, I just feel so horrible because there's so many things I'm not doing right. He's like, I'm just in sin, you know? And I just started laughing and I just hugged him because he's just learning what it is to be holy. He's learning. And, and, uh, and I just said, hey, I said, hey, what you're in, being introduced to is the prophetic side of Jesus. I said, it's okay, just embrace it. And I said, listen, what he's doing to you right now is he's cleaning a little bit of house and what we call this is conviction and there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, when conviction is followed up with repentance, you will feel a joy that you've never felt before. You know, and he just had never been in- introduced to, the, to the, uh, the prophetic side of Jesus. Jesus is our active prophet who confronts us and calls us to repentance of sin. The second area that Jesus has revealed himself in. Are you with me this morning? All right. Uh, is the second area is, is priest. He's come as our priest. Jesus died for our sins and is alive today, ministering to us as our high priest who intercedes for us before God the Father. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, It says this, it says that literally 
Jesus is, is next to God in the throne room and he's interceding and bringing your hurts to him. He's our mediator. If you know anything about the priests in the Old Testament, what did they do? What would happen is that, let's say, um, let's say for me, let's say I'm not a priest and, uh, and I, I sin before God and there's many different ways that you could have, have atonement for that sin. What I would do is I would, go find a, I would go find a goat or a lamb or something and I would present it to the high priest and then the high priest would take it to the Holy of Holies. You know what I'm talking about. And what I'm saying today is this, is that not only is Jesus our high priest, but he doesn't even ask us for a sacrifice. He became the sacrifice. So that now we, ha- we can go, the veil was torn, now in worship right now we can just repent of sin and nobody's bringing goats into the back door. <laughs> right? He is our active high priest. Practically, what does this mean? This means that Jesus actually knows us. He loves us. He pays attention to our lives and he cares for us. He does not do this because we are great. He does this because he is our great high priest. Listen to this. At this very moment right now as I'm speaking to you, Jesus is in heaven bringing your hurts, bringing your suffering, bringing your dreams. All he's bringing, all your sin, he's bringing all of it to the Father right now. That's, this is the God we serve. Jesus is our active high priest who, who comforts us, walks with us, saves us for, from sin, and enables new life. The third area that Jesus has revealed himself to us is by, as king. Everybody say king. This is good. Jesus is the king of kings who rules over all creation. He is a king that demands justice. Everybody say justice. There is not one part of our life that does not belong to Jesus or exist under his sovereign rule. Practically, let me tell you what this means. This means that Jesus is not just king over, over principalities, over nations, over, over all that stuff. He's also the king of your pants. He's also the king of your web browser. He's also the king of your cubicle. He's also the king of your car horn. He's also the king of your marriage. He's also the king of your worship. He's also the king of this electric bill that has to be paid every, every month, right? He's also the king of your mortgage. He is the king of everything. We have to fully embrace him in that idea. He rules over, we cannot like somehow hide from him, you know? Like, it's just silly. Like, it, it can't work. There's no way that we can hide from the Father. He is our ultimate king. And as our king, Jesus demands and deserves obedient loyalty to his commands over every single aspect of our life. I wanted to read this from Mark Driscoll. And uh, he talks about a conversation that he had with a man. And, he, they were, and he, this guy was talking about Jesus as king. Let me just read it. This point was made, obvi- made painfully obvious to me in a conversation I had once with a guy who admitted he was addicted to alcohol and pornography, but also claimed to be a Christian husband and father. When I put my finger in his life in a prophetic way, he responded that he did not want to talk about his personal life because it was no one's business except his. In a priestly way, I tried to explain to the guy that you cannot call Jesus Lord and stand before him drunk and tell him that it is none of his business. The failure to see Jesus as king over all creation in general and all of our life in particular leads to nothing but hypocrisy, secrecy, and shameful privacy as we continue to live in darkness. Jesus is our active king who commands us to relinquish authority of every facet of our life. So let me just, let me, let me back up just a second because you got to get this. This is very, this is simple doctrinal teaching. I'm sorry, I'm not giving a bunch of jokes. You have to like pay attention to sporting or else you might get lost. But, but he has come very simply to reveal himself as the prophet who speaks to us right now. He speaks to us as the priest who walks with us and as the king who rules over us. 
And now we get to verse 14. And the Bible says this. It says, as obedient children, if we could get there on the, on the screen. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But let me just make sure just for a second. As obedient children, do not conform any longer. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. There's this uh, video I want to show you. It's about a minute long. It's of this little girl, and she's learning how to walk. She's probably about a year old, and she happens to actually be in a church. And it's just, it's just cute. Any, anytime you see little ones walk for the first time, it's just cute. The Bible says in Colossians, it says that the old is gone and the new has come. In other words, you have a new life. And you know what happens when there's a new birth? There's a new walk. And it's the walk of holiness. And I'm here to tell you that... Um, your walk should be different than what it was before you came to Christ. In fact, the word says in the word, in any time when you see the word holy, even in the scripture, the Greek word is hagios, which means set apart. In every area of our life, once we come to Christ, if you do not know Christ, then you just walk the way you are. But once we come to Christ, there should be a new walk, and it should be the walk of holiness. And there are, there are many different people here in this room. There are some that, that have, maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe you just started accepting Jesus Christ and you're learning the ropes. And can I tell you, it's okay. You're going to get it. We're going to get this thing. We've got all our whole life to, to, to work out, our, to work out uh, our kinks. We have our whole life where God speaks to us. And then some of you in this room, you've been a Christian for a long time. And what you found is that, is that maybe, maybe there's a lot of areas where you were set apart. And maybe you find yourself now just kind of backslidden. You find yourself just kind of like, man, I'm walking like I used to. And I think it's time that we as a church show God a new walk. You know, this morning when I was thinking about writing whatever sermon when it comes to holiness, you know, the natural pastor thing to do is to give you five steps on how to be holy. That's the thing, you know, here's five areas that you need to get right with when it comes to God. And I think we know that. In fact, the Holy Spirit does a much better job than I can when it comes to telling you what's wrong in your life. And basically, the only thing I want to say today is just, will you open up your ears, your spiritual ears to God and say, Lord, is there any wicked way in me? God, is there any injustice in me? And I'm telling you, God will reveal it to you. There are some, I believe, even in this room, and I know in this church, that you have been holding on to habitual sin. You have been holding on to things that you know that God is speaking to you wants to get rid of, and you found yourself depressed. And can I tell you why? It's the conviction of God. And if you let that go, if you let that injustice go in your life, I'm telling you, you will find an ultimate joy that you've never experienced before. When I see that little girl, I just think about us. And I could almost just see God up, up above, just kind of like, almost like a dad, you know, uh, that little girl. And I could just see a dad kind of sitting here just like God and just kind of going, come on, let's do this, you know. Come on, come on. There's a new walk. I know, I know, no, 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 don't go to the old walk. Don't go to the old walk. Come on, let's keep going this way, you know. They're like, ooh, look at that, look at that, look at that movie. Oh, look at that, look at that woman, look at that. Oh, no, 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 oh, come on, come on. Let's, let's just keep it going, come on. Focus on me. Let's get home. Come on. Let's get home. You're doing good. You know, you got to, I got my, I, I don't have any, any kids at this point, but I do have two little dogs. And I have trained my two dogs 
to get in their cage and they actually do it. Like I can just be like, get your cage. But Kona, sometimes she gets a little stubborn. She's, she's still got injustice in her, you know? And sometimes me and my wife, we do this whole thing and we'll just, we will just start cheering her on. Come on, Kona. Come on, you can do it. She's like staring at me like, is there a way out? Is there a way out? You know? And, she, and then all of a sudden she starts to kind of go a little closer to the cage. And then when she starts going closer, I'm like, yes, come on. Let's do this. Come on. I get behind her and I'm like, kind of like kicking her. You know, like, come on, girl. You know, come on. You're doing good. And she's staring at me like, I don't want to go in the cage, you know? And then there's other times where she just goes because she wants to please her dad. You know, the same thing kind of applies to us. Sometimes it's really easy to be holy, and then there's other times where it's difficult. But can I tell you what happens even with that whole situation is that when Kona starts to move over, you know what me and Natalie start to do as kind of the overseer? We start to cheer on. Man, and there's nothing, even for me, I don't have kids yet, and so I, I, I can't imagine the feeling. The, just It must be incredible. But uh, the idea is when, when, when my dog does what I say, I, I want to give her like every treat in the whole world. And I'm telling you, God wants to bless you. But he's not going to bless injustice. He can't. He can't. It's not in his nature. It's not in his attributes. As we conclude this morning, let's not be the church that comes into his house and asks him to take care of the injustice around us and not allow him to take care of the injustice in us. Can we stand this morning and let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for all that you're doing in this house. God, we thank you, Lord, for your presence that is here. God, we thank you that, Lord, you have revealed your son, Jesus, as our prophet that speaks into our lives, that confronts sin. God, as our priest that saves us, that cares for us, that knows us. God, and as our king that rules over every area of our life. God, we thank you that no injustice goes past you. God, you see all of it. And Father, Father, I just pray right now that, God, we would see you in your entirety as, as 1 Peter talks about. That, God, we would know all of you, not just part of you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, where are you at today? Have you embraced God in his entirety? Or have you take, tried to take bits and pieces? Maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life. I want to take just a second in this room. and If we could all just bow our heads and take and close our eyes, I want to just speak to you and say, listen, this is your moment where you can accept Jesus Christ. If you're in this room, I'm going to count to three and you say, you know what, this is my moment. I want to accept Jesus Christ into my life. I'm going to count to three. I want you to lift up your hand. One, two, three. Lift up that hand if that's you. Five more seconds. Amen. Maybe you're here and you know God, but you have found yourself walking in your old ways and not in your new ways. And you want to get back on track. I want you just to, I'm going to count to three. I want you to slip up a hand. Whatever it is, even if it's the smallest little something, I want you to lift up your hand. We want to pray. We want to be that church that, that literally, as collectively, we say, God, kill the injustice in us. If there's any injustice in you, I want you to slip up your hand. You say, you know what, Pastor, I, I, I want you to pray with me. Today, I'm going to count to three. I want you to lift that hand. One, two, three. Lift up that hand. Come on, all across this room. My, my hand's raised. Jesus. 
can you just go ahead and just whatever it is, just, you don't need to be loud, but can you just take a second and just whatever it is, just lay it down at God's feet. God, I just give this to you. Come on, just go ahead. Just lift your voice and, and just, just, just give it to God. Lord, maybe, maybe, maybe you haven't been the husband you're supposed to be here. Maybe pride has come in. Jesus, we just ask God that, that Lord, that you will fill us, God, with justice. Speak into our lives right now. Lord, we thank you, God, for taking away our sin. Thanks for listening to this message, Let's Get Holy, with Generations Pastor Glenn Wolf. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com.